Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, March 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, Theresa May fends off a challenge to her leadership ahead of a high-stakes week for Brexit. Robert Mueller's report on Russian meddling in the 2016 election finds no collusion. And Uber is expected to sign a $3.1 billion deal for a Dubai rival. Then, the FT's global technology correspondent Tim Bradshaw explains what to expect from Apple's big bet on television. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. Hello, this is Henry Mance reporting for the Financial Times from Westminster. Theresa May has fought off a challenge to her leadership over the weekend. A group of Tory MPs, some anonymous, some on the record, had said that they wanted her to quit after what's been a pretty bad week where she alienated some of her party, where she showed no sign of being able to compromise or indeed lead um, on the question of, of Brexit. But senior members of the Prime Minister's Cabinet have all come out and said, this is the wrong time to change leader. We've only got a couple of weeks before we're due to leave the EU. So um, let's stick with Mrs May. Her problems, unfortunately for her, do not end uh, there, however. She's got a really difficult week ahead. It starts on Monday with a cabinet meeting and then Parliament will vote on whether it wants to take control of the Brexit process, whether it wants to give itself the right to vote on different Brexit options. And that's crucial because Mrs May's deal will just become one option amongst many. People will look perhaps towards a softer Brexit, towards a second referendum, towards leaving the EU without a deal. And the Prime Minister's authority and her grip on the process would be very much weakened if MPs decide to take control. So after two years of negotiations. Uh, This was the week that Britain should have been leaving the EU. In fact, we're really in the thick of negotiations and the Prime Minister's whole authority is still very much in the balance. After almost two years, the Mueller report is in, and the special counsel has concluded that Donald Trump and his campaign did not collude with Russia to influence the 2016 presidential race. Robert Mueller was appointed to the role of special counsel back in May of 2017. This was just after President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey. Mr. Mueller took over what was at the time an existing investigation into Russian efforts to influence the 2016 election. And on Sunday, U.S. Attorney General William Barr released a summary of the conclusions from Mr. Mueller's report. In that summary, Mr. Barr said that the Mueller investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its effort to influence the 2016 presidential election. In reference to whether Mr. Trump attempted to obstruct justice, Mr. Barr said the Mueller report did not conclude that the president committed a crime, but that it does not exonerate him either. Mr. Barr and his deputy concluded that the evidence obtained during the Mueller investigation was not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. Democrats in Congress seized on the fact that Mr. Mueller had not completely exonerated the president and said lawmakers would pick up the investigation where Mr. Mueller left off. Here's President Trump on Sunday afternoon, shortly after Mr. Barr's summary was released. It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. And Uber is expected to sign a $3.1 billion deal to acquire a Dubai-based ride-sharing rival. That's according to two people familiar with the transaction. The U.S. ride-hailing company has held long-running talks with Dubai's Kareem. 
Cream was founded in 2012 by two former McKinsey consultants and was valued at approximately $2 billion during a fundraising round last year. The two companies compete with each other in passenger rides and in food delivery across the Middle East, North Africa, and South Asia. The transaction would signal a historic moment for tech firms and the venture capital industry in the Middle East. The region struggled to produce high-profile success stories in this space. The final agreement is expected to be signed as early as today or tomorrow. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. For many years, Apple has toyed with the idea of making its own television sets. And today, Apple is unveiling its latest vision for TV. The tech company is holding a special event from the Steve Jobs Theater in Cupertino, California, and it's widely expected that they'll introduce a new video streaming service, one that features original programming. Global technology correspondent Tim Bradshaw is here to explain Apple's new venture and why Chief Executive Tim Cook is betting on TV now. Apple has been trying to break into the television business for a decade or more. And, you know, this was one of Steve Jobs's kind of final plans before he died. Even they wanted to try and find a way of reinventing the living room experience in a way that the iPhone had for the smartphone. They've tried several times on the sort of hardware to introduce something that was really exciting and different, but none of them have really succeeded in propelling Apple into that sort of big screen in the the corner of everyone's family room in the same way as they've put an iPhone or a smartphone in so many people's pockets. But the reason that they're doing it right now and with a little bit more gusto is that iPhone sales themselves have ground to a halt. There is a huge push around services more generally, and that includes Apple Music, Apple Pay, iCloud, and the App Store itself. And so this is just one of many services which Apple hopes will both bind you more closely to their hardware products, which is where they still make the vast majority of their money, but also provide some kind of incremental income as well to compensate for the fact that their hugest flagship hit of the last 10 years is sort of finally looks like it might be peaking. What do we what do we know so far about what this streaming service is going to look like? So we know more about what's going to be on the streaming service than we actually know how it will really work for viewers. They recruited a couple of executives from Sony Television a year and a half ago to go out to Hollywood and commission original shows for Apple exclusively. So they have done more than 30 deals with screenrunners and producers and directors. Some of the names are very well known, people like Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg. And so they have quite a large pipeline of original content coming through, which will at some point appear on an Apple TV platform. The people that I speak to in the industry seem to think that the most likely venue for this is the TV Guide app, which has probably been pre-installed on the iPhone for a couple of years now, but many people don't know it's there. But the idea is that it aggregates shows that you're watching from a variety of different streaming services, whether that's HBO or the BBC iPlayer or Apple's own iTunes download store into one kind of place. It's sort of like a 21st century version of your cable box programming guide. Apple's been under a lot of scrutiny from investors as of late. What do analysts on Wall Street think of the plan? So 
A big part of the bull case on Wall Street for Apple has been that it will transform from this device company that sells you a $700,000 device every two years and is therefore very kind of dependent on each individual iPhone being a hit to something that's more like a services business, a lot more like Amazon Prime, actually, where you get a sort of recurring revenue of $10, $20, every month for a bundle of Apple services. And the idea is that that makes them more predictable and investors tend to like predictable businesses rather than something that's very lumpy and you know depends on you having a good Christmas effectively or good holiday sales season which Apple had quite a bad one last year and really showed the risks of that when it can go against you. That said even if Apple signs up tens of millions of people to a new video service and paying say $15 a month it's going to be quite a small drop in the ocean of $250-$60 billion that Apple makes in sales every year. So Goldman Sachs put out a research note saying that if they got 20 million people paying $15 a month by 2020, it would only be only $3.6 billion in annual revenues, which is a lot of money for a brand new service to sort of do straight out of the gate. But you have to see it in the context of Apple, which is one of the world's most valuable companies. And you have to kind of really do something quite big to make a dent in the iPhone revenue stream. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today we'll be watching DC, where Donald Trump is expected to host Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Last week, Mr. Trump signaled a historic shift in U.S. foreign policy when he said that the U.S. should recognize Israel's sovereignty over the occupied Golan Heights region. Mr. Netanyahu's visit comes just weeks before elections in Israel. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Check back tomorrow for the latest business news.